There are three elements of Christian expression. Praise, thanksgiving, and worship. Praise is simply telling the truth about the Lord. The Lord is good. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is kind. The Lord is loving. The Lord is holy. That's praise. We lift our hands and just confess the truth about God Almighty. This praise is simple. Just tell the truth about Jesus and you're experiencing or giving forth praise. Thanksgiving is a response to the goodness of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for helping me. I thank you for hearing my prayer. I thank you for answering my prayer. Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for healing me. All these good things that the Lord does for us and for our benefit, we respond to the goodness of God with thanksgiving, as we ought to do. Lord does something good for you and you don't thank him, shame on you. You got a praise report and you're sitting on it, shame on you. Because you know in this church all you have to do is get my attention. Brother Andy, I got a praise report. I want to hear it. And so does everybody else. I was in a deep pit. David's got one. I was in a pit, and the Lord reached down and plucked me out. Amen. Set me in a large place. I went from doing without to living in abundance. I went from, hurt, from hurting to healing. And Lord, I just want to thank you for it. Praise, just tell the truth about the Lord. Thanksgiving is just a response to the good things that the Lord does for us every day. All the time. Worship, however, requires a sacrifice. Now, in the New Testament context, and we sing that uh, chorus around here, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad, boy, I am, that you don't have to drag no critter to church and I don't have to kill it. That you can leave your livestock at home. Amen. Brother, and we ain't got, you know, a place just designated where the, the blood can be, you know, collected and all this. And, you know, we've gone through all that so far in our study of the Old Testament uh, on Wednesday nights as we're going through the Bible in chronological order. We've got to Joshua chapter 6 coming up Wednesday night, Lord willing, nothing no happen. But worship requires a sacrifice. Now, here in the book of Exodus, and something we went over several months ago, the Lord is speaking he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, Israel ought to be thankful for that. Boy, I would be. If I am making bricks one day and I'm feeling the whip of the taskmaster and I, you know, I'm suffering, my, I have no liberty, I have no freedom to decide for myself what I'd like to do with that day because I know when I woke up that I got to go hit the brickyards and I am an enslaved person, when I go from that status to being free, having been delivered by the mighty hand of God from those who impose their will on me, beloved, it's time to start thanking the Lord. Amen? I am the Lord who brought you out. Now there's a condition. Verse 3, he gives the commandment. This isn't an option. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not worship anybody or anything else but me. You shall have no other gods. 
You will not carve up something. You will not cast something. You will not create any kind of image of anything that is in heaven or in the earth or in the water beneath the earth. That's why we don't have statues. You may say, well, I went to a Catholic church and they had uh, they were statues everywhere you try. Well, they need to go back and read the Bible again. Amen. We don't pray to angels and we don't pray to folks that's gone on. Well, they said if I prayed to the saint so-and-so, they were the saint of no. We prayed to Jesus. You know what the good news is? Hallelujah. You don't have to come to me to get to Jesus. You can get to Jesus right where you are, 24 hours a day. If you're in church or you're at the house or you're at work or wherever you may be, praise God. The Lord gives them specific instructions. You won't carve anything. You will not create any image and bow down and worship it or sacrifice to it. An idol is anything or any person to which you sacrifice. Two or four. That's worship. That's why these altars are so important. Well, how do I fulfill this in a New Testament context, Brother Andy? Well, we're going to get to that. But you bring it to the altar and you can kill it here. We've had folks over the years had issues with substance abuse, uh, substance issues. We've had them come down and lay their pack of cigarettes on the altar. Oh, Lordy, Brother Andy, they brought a pack of cigarettes in church. Well, I don't mind you bringing them to church. You just bring them on down to the altar. Amen. Let's get, let's get it to, well, what about anything else? Well, there's some stuff you don't need to bring in church you might be dealing with. But you can symbolically, by your own presence, bring it down to the altar. I'll never forget, years ago, and I call this guy's name, everybody didn't know him. I mean, we were, it was back when the, the sanctuary was mauve instead of green. That's how far back it was. And he had this tape, and it was this old blood-spitting, uh, uh, hard, whatever you call it, uh, Screaming, really. There wasn't no singing about it, you know. Have you ever listened to any of that? I could do that. If I wanted money, yeah, easy. All I got to go get up and scream, you know, act crazy. And people throw money. Ain't that crazy? People throw money at you. Yeah, and, and buy your records. And all you're doing is screaming. Anyway, he had a cassette tape. And it just so happened as a Wednesday night, and old brother Andy had his cowboy boots on. I've long worn them out. But one with the big heel, right? And he brought that tape up. I said, here, give me that thing. Laid it down on the platform. When I did, that old hill went crush. And I turned it. Boy, I smashed that thing. And you know what the funny thing was? He looked up at me all puzzled, and he said, that wasn't my tape. I said, you go tell whoever's tape it was that the pastor of the Pentecostal Worship Center has smashed it. If he's got anything about it, he needs to come see me. We'll talk it over and sweep by and by, you know. Anything that is in your way between you and the Lord, you need to get rid of it. Amen. Don't mess with it. Don't play with it. Get rid of it. The Lord said in unmistakable terms, you shall have no other gods before me. You will not bow down to them or serve them. Listen, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And I'll visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children. And he did so up until Ezekiel 18. And then he said, I've changed my mind about that. I'm not going to do that anymore. So somebody has handed you this deal about generational curses. I have good news for you. The Lord took care of that in Ezekiel 18. So no matter what your mom and daddy did, I felt the Holy Ghost. You are not bound by whatever your mom and daddy did. You are not bound to repeat their mistakes. 
If that was the case, I wouldn't be here. I'd be laid out with a hangover somewhere. But I'm not. You know why? Because God's grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. He's a jealous God because Israel is his possession. He owns Israel. He called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abram responded to that call in faith. Then God chose him because he responded. And from Abraham, he created a family. And from that family, he created a nation. He did it. He owns Israel. Now, I know in today's in current political climate and all the hoopla that surrounds it, I was in conversation with Brother Greg Fulbright, and he brought out a, a real interesting point that stuck with me. He said, you know, Brother Trump, I'm Brother Trump. He said, President Trump may be, I hope he's Brother Trump. Uh, I know he's Brother, I know Pence is Brother Pence. Uh, he's, I don't, you know, all the stuff that President Trump has done, he said, but you got to understand that he has blessed Israel. And if you, if you are the president of the United States and you bless Israel, you get ready for the blessings of God to run you down in the middle of the street. It'd be something for President Trump to walk from the White House to Marine One, that big old green helicopter, and all of a sudden him just fall flat-faced on the ground. And Secret Service comes and picks him up and says, Mr. President, are you all right? What happened? He said, the blessings of God have run me over between a house and a helicopter. Praise God. Brother Andy, you silly. No, I'm not. I believe what this Bible says. Amen. So for all his faults or, or eccentricities, if you will, and everything he may have done in his past life, old boy has done one right thing, and that is to move the embassy to Jerusalem and to declare that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what else that old boy has done, God will bless him for that. Amen. And it's, it's something he don't, if, if, I, if I were advising him, I'd say, Mr. President, your next rally, the first thing you need to go out and do is exactly what your vice president did a few months ago. You make stand flat-footed because the people that hate you are going to hate you anyway. It's not you that they hate. It is the God that you respect that they hate. People aren't mad at Donald Trump. People are mad at God. Amen. That's what the whole election deal was. Oh, the midterms. Lord, the Democrats have got the House of Representatives. What are we going to do? We're going to believe God. Amen. We're going to trust in the Lord. We're not going to worship some false idol. People that do so, do so at their peril. The Lord said, I am a jealous God. I will not share you with them. I'm glad that's how he feels about it. I don't want him to say, well, son, I'm going to share you with the devil. Oh, Lordy. No. He has said, I will not share you with the devil. I will not share you with anyone else. In the New Testament context, we have been purchased with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross. We are bought with a price. We are no longer our own. And the condition of that and the commandment, I should say, instead of a condition, is that we do not worship anyone else or any other God. Well, Brother Andy, that's all together in the negative. Well, let's go. The Lord sent me to a particular scripture in the Psalms that gives us a positive uh, aspect of this. The 37th Psalm, beginning at verse 1. And the and, and more I got into it, I said, Lord, that applies to us where we are today. Psalm 37 and 1 says, Do not fret 
because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. That word do not fret means do not be agitated because of evildoers. We are not to be agitated because the House of Representatives is now controlled by the Democratic. And I'm not trying to get political. I'm not political, this deal. It's, it's not a question of politics. It's a question of what people believe. Okay? It's controlled by the Democratic Party. And if you listen to enough news on both sides of, of, of any issue, you know, it's Lord have mercy. What are we going to do? Well, we ain't going to do nothing. Amen. Have you noticed the difference? They, they had a clip today. When was it? Uh, 2010, uh, when the House flipped in the Republicans' favor, the people got out with ball bats and was smashing windows and stuff. Have you ever noticed, you can tell when it's a woman behind that mask, the way she smashes a window and a man smashes a window, it's a whole different swing with that bat, ain't it, Rick? I mean, it just is, you know. I go, that's a woman right there. She's beating. I remember that one out in California. She kept beating on that door, and she never made a dent in it. She just, she just went, wow, wow. I said, oh, my wife, that's a woman swinging right there. But you have all these expressions of, of, of uh, incivility, if you will, rioting and all that junk. And for the contrary to happen, there's no riots in the streets. I ain't getting out in the street. I ain't throwing rock to a man's glass in this place of business because my party or my persuasion or whatever didn't win. You know why? Because my confidence isn't in my party of my persuasion. My confidence is in the Lord. Amen. I am his property. I belong to him. I'm on. The apostle Paul was very clear. He said, Lord, I am the Lord's bond servant. In other words, I wasn't captured against my will, but I have willingly entered into a relationship with God wherein I am his bond servant. I got into this thing of my own free will, and I'm glad I did. There ain't nobody in heaven right now as I speak regrets the fact that they're there. There ain't a person in heaven right now, if you were to say, would you like to go as much as they love us? You know, would you like to go back? They say, if it's all right with everybody else, I'll just wait till they get here. Amen. I'll just wait on them. When they come through the gate, I'll be waiting on them. I'll hug their neck. Praise God. What a glad reunion day we're going to have. Because we are the children of God. We belong to him. We are his possession. And listen, he has the right. And boy, this has tore up folks over the years. Mostly because they take it out of context. But the truth of the matter is, if you are a Christian, you are the possession of God, and He has the right to tell you and me how to live. Boy, I've had folks get in my face. Preacher, don't you know? I said, look, I ain't telling you to do nothing. You think I'm going to hunt you down in Walmart? I ain't telling you to do nothing. But you better find out what this Bible says about what the Lord instructs you to do. I tell people, you know, don't worry about my convictions or my persuasion, but I encourage you to get in the Word. You better find out what the Lord approves of, and you need to find out what the Lord disapproves of, and you need to go by His rule, because we are not our own. Don't fret, don't get agitated when you see, you know, stuff happen that you don't agree with. Don't be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That junk don't last. Amen. I'm here to tell you, and I've told you over the years, and I've challenged you to get in the Word of God. You find those places where people have engendered the anger of the Lord, they don't hang around long. Uzzah didn't when he touched the ark. 
Ananias and Sapphira didn't when they lied about the price of the land. That's why I encourage you, get in the Bible and find out what he likes and what he don't like and do what he likes and abstain from what he don't like. Amen. Verse 3, here we go with the posture. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord. Cultivate that faithfulness. Be faithful to him because he is faithful to us. But number one, trust in the Lord. Verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Do what? He will give me the desires of my heart. What's the condition? Delight yourself in the Lord. That is the truth of the word of God that the enemy does not want to have declared to the general public. If we'll get our focus on Jesus and delight ourselves in him, our prayers will line up with his will, and when that happens, miracles will start sprouting out. Delight yourself in the Lord. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, he shall bring it to pass. Make a commitment. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord. Don't get, ag- don't get all tore up. Rest in the Lord. Place your confidence in the Lord. Pray and believe Him. Amen. Don't sit around and wonder, well, you know, I wonder why. Trust in Him. The Lord's thoughts towards us are good thoughts. He desires to bless us. If we could understand His desire to bless us, He desires to bless us more than we desire to be blessed. That's pretty good because, beloved, I appreciate the blessings of God. Amen. I've never experienced one and then said, well, I don't know about that. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. We can have peace. That's why all those introductions to those letters from the Apostle Paul, grace and peace. That's what folks are searching for. They're looking for it in a bottle, looking for it in a bag of marijuana. They're looking for it in a, a bag of any other kind of recreational drug. They're looking for it in immoral relationships. They're looking for it in all kind of ungodly stuff, and they never find it because the only rest to be had is in Christ. Amen. We can rest and be at peace in him. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Don't be mad. Don't get mad. Now it's easier to said than done. But the Lord gives us the instruction, cease from anger. Does no good. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Amen. We are not to get angry. We are to rest in the Lord. We are to trust in the Lord. We are to make a commitment to him that says, I will serve none other, O Lord, but you. You are my Lord and my God, and I put you above everything else. Now, when you say that and mean it, you are heading in the right direction. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, let's put this in a New Testament context. We all know this by heart. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, in the Old uh, Testament, the Old Covenant, they had the temple. They had the temple sacrifices. You brought that animal in. 
it had to uh, uh, be uh, specific uh, in its condition. The priest killed it. The blood was drained from it. The, uh, the exercise was completed. You brought your sacrifice. You brought that critter. But the Lord is not interested in our livestock. He is interested in us. Therefore, when we worship, we come before the Lord. We present ourselves a living sacrifice. Amen. Now, that, that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. Because a sacrifice entails death. Is, is death entailed here? We're sure it is. We're dead to the world. And we're alive to the Lord. Present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Now, as I shared with you before, how do we meet that condition? We are the property of God. Acceptable to God. And then Paul says it's, our, it's not an unreasonable thing. It is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? You get in the Bible. That you may prove or discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are not to walk about in wonder of what the will of God may be. I wonder what the will of God is. I wonder, could it be this, or could it be that, or could it be the other? Am I going to let circumstances or outside pressures form my opinion of the will? No, no, no. We are to know what the will of God is. We are to walk in the will of God, and we are to access and embrace the knowledge of the will of God for our lives. We're not supposed to walk around like folks who don't know what we're doing. Amen. But when we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, we are then able to grasp and understand what the will of God is. And we are to walk in that will. You know what? That, that makes us without excuse, folks. Well, I've got this and I've got that. We ain't got squat. We have no excuse before God. He has given us everything that we need. He has not left us holding the bag, and he has not left us short. He has given us everything that we need. And when we do that, we'll be glad we did. Paul told the Thessalonians, it has been declared to us, we come to you, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now understand, see, their circumstance is completely foreign to ours. I haven't seen, I didn't pass any temple that had a, an image of Diana of Ephesus in it. I didn't pass any building that had the idol gods of Egypt in statue form inside that so people could go. That's just totally, we read it, we, we can't grasp it because that's not our experience. Our experience is in the good old buckle of the Bible belt in the, in the United States of America. Praise God. I'm American by birth and Southern by the grace of God. Amen. Everywhere we turn, there is a Christian church. And you think we won't give an account for that, you better read this Bible again. But the Paul is telling these folks in Thessalonica, your culture was completely different. You grew up in an idol-worshiping culture, but when you heard the gospel, you embraced it and you turned from those idols to serve the living and the true God. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5, verse number 21, my last scripture the Lord gave me. Little children, I appreciate the way John refers to us as little children. 
Keep yourselves from idols. That's the last thing he told them. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Keep yourself, keep yourselves from idols. Understand how they look, how they act, how they expect us to respond in worship, and keep ourselves from them. I've told young people, hollered at him for years. I said, honey or, or fella, whoever you are, if that man or woman in your life is between you and God, you need to move them out of the way. Oh, brother Andy, I love him. No, you don't. You just think you do. If you're a child of, listen, if you're a child of God, that person may be handsome, they may be attractive, but if they're not serving the Lord, I'm here to tell you, there ain't nothing but heartache on down the line. Amen. Oh, well, the, you know, he or she, they'll get right after we get married. No, they need to get right before you get married. It's like years ago at, at youth camp, the most famous message I've ever preached on the Gulf Coast. People still come up to me years later. Brother Andy, I appreciate you preaching to my son, my daughter at youth camp. I know what it is. You know, any of the other messages that I've preached down there all these years, it's that one. Don't marry a crazy person. I appreciate you telling my son, my daughter, that. They needed to hear that. Don't marry no crazy person. Don't marry no crazy person. Do not become unequally yoked together with an unbeliever because all you're going to have is trouble and strife. Amen. And Brother Marshall Adcock come up to me after with the saddest face, Pastor's First Assembly of God in Douglas. And I knew what he's going to say before he told me. He, he got all serious. He said, Brother Andy. I said, yes, Brother Marshall. He said, it's too late for me. I said, I know it. You ever been around his wife, Sister Paige? She is a humdinger. I tell, I tell you what. I mean, she's a precious lady, precious child of God. And I know Marshall was cutting up just because of her personality. But she is, she is one more humdinger of a, of a human being. And she likes to cut up and have a good time and, and all this other stuff. And I understood where Marshall was coming from. But those idols, and, and they, they sneak in at times. And I'm not saying you can't do stuff. I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying you can't live life. I'm just saying don't put anything before the Lord. Amen. It's not worth it. Don't put anything before the Lord. Now, there's going to be times when your ox is in the ditch and you can't get to church. I understand that. I mean, it's happened to me. I've had to say, hey, Kevin, take over. Hey, Brian, take over. I can't make it to a particular service because of this, that, or the other, or whatever's happening. Amen. But don't let those things get between you and him. Nothing. We do not serve idols. We do not entertain them. We serve the Lord. You say, Brother Andy, that's kind of harsh. It's not. I say this because the service to God is a blessing. You know what people said when I got married 37 years ago? won't last six months. Not with old Andy. It was no reflection on Dorothy. It was me. It wasn't people that knew her. It was people I grew up with. Not Andy. He get married? Oh, man. Don't tell me he got married. Andy got married? <laughs> won't last six months. Yeah, he'll be this, that, you know. Absolutely. That hurt my feelings now. I think about it. You telling me people you grew up with had absolutely no confidence in you? Zero zilch. None whatsoever. My conduct had just formed their opinion. But we've been married 37 years by the grace of God. 
There's a lot of people said we wouldn't make it, you know. And all they were doing was just looking at two folks that were saved by the grace of God. But we made it. Why? Because we decided to serve the Lord. You put him first. I know we ain't shouting and running out all tonight, but this is, this is a serious message. We put him first. Before we make a decision, we pray about it. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, I asked the Lord about the altar service. He said, well, you're going to have one, but not before you go to the Lord in intercessory prayer. So let's do that thing. 